We did it, man! We did it. We did it. Started with hard work, finishing with champagne, baby. Back to back to back FA Cup champions. Chelsea did it again at Wembley in front of over 77,000, which was a domestic record, I believe, a record for domestic women's football. Incredible atmosphere. Not necessarily an incredible game from Chelsea, but incredible performances and also an incredible goal and an incredible backflip. That's right. Uh, I'm Andre Carla and I am here with Miriam. Miriam, how are you? How are you feeling? How did you experience all of that? There's there's something quite special about knowing that like whatever happens, whatever goes wrong, you always have that one player to to bail you out. And and Sam Kerr is simply just that in in so many ways. Like she's so goddamn predictable, but somehow still unpredictable. You just kind of knew that at some point she would pop up. And as you say, winning it three times in a row, this is our competition. This is our trophy, you know. Man United came around. They tried. They, you know, they they did some things. They took off some players. But in the end, it's it's almost. I've said this before. I think it's it's Thanos esque. It's inevitable. You've just got to expect it from us now. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I wanted to go and see the game in person, as you say. Um, sold at venue at Wembley, but currently at the moment, me and my partner are quarantining. So I just had to to make do with it at home. But it's it was almost better though because I could just be like in my own space, screaming square words at the tiny sort of laptop. So I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy that it went down this way. And you know, I had a good feeling. I thought we would win. So you know, I'm I'm glad it ended the way it did. Yeah, I I definitely feel you about watching things like in in your own familiar like isolation and comfort because I some very much with big games need to do the same thing. Like I love going to games and having the spectacle of it and feeling the spectacle of it being a part of a massive crowd, but I get super anxious, mm. <laughs> super nervous and I'm just like I'm not I'm not myself. Uh and so yeah, I definitely understand and I uh, hope everything's okay covid-wise. But I'm glad that uh, you were able to watch and, and it seems like enjoy it because it was fun. I think one of the one of the fun parts for me was the commentator afterwards said that that blue is is the color at Wembley and it's becoming the only color at Wembley. And I was like, you damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Put it on a T-shirt. You damn right. That is what we do. And it was. So let's talk about the game just a little bit because United tried hard. They came out flying. And then when their flying period was over, they started getting really physical, you know, a lot of fouls. The ref was letting a lot go, um, especially in the second half. And Chelsea kind of had to had, had to do what Chelsea usually does, which I thought was interesting. Mark Skinner's comments afterwards was just kind of like, you know, it's theirs now, but it won't be for long kind of deal. And it's like, yeah, you can sit like, you can't really say that until you beat this team <laughs> and you fail to beat this team. And so I understand that that's where he has to come from. But for me, it's like, it's it's funny that like, I think Theo Lloyd Hughes wrote that like we need new script writers because everybody watching the game knew exactly what was going to happen. United were, weren't going to take their chances. Chelsea was going to continue to defend. Sam Kerr was going to score a goal. Chelsea were going to lift a trophy. <laughs> That's exactly this is what, what I happened. mean, though. It's it's so predictable, but 
How how do you prepare for a team? And to be honest, this season only Barcelona have been able to do it. How do you how do you prepare for a team who are so brazen about how they will go out because they're missing key players because things have been difficult and yet the, here is a player who carries so much power, so much you know physical talent and prowess that despite the fact that she was ill this week and she was you know Emma Hayes gave us some some really <laughs> unnecessary insight that she was vomiting and had cramps, is still able to turn things around and and be that prevalent that dominant you have to come to a point where it's just like ridiculous and I think that's the thing United have really shared this the goals this season like I know that they have quite a few players who've scored at least five this season but you've got to have somebody who's at the middle of the team that is almost grounding and tethering everyone together and Sam Kerr is that player and they just didn't have anyone like that that you are right you just you could script it you know but but then again, I just I always felt like even prior to that that Chelsea were going to be comfortable because we have had Penilla Harder come back and that that was always the big thing. She's come back. She scored two consecutive braces in a row, and oh my gosh, the news that she might I, I'm going to say might I'm not even going to like act like it's gone through because if I don't then it then it might not um, that she might be going to Bayern Munich in the summer and you just feel like just just do whatever you know whatever you need to do to keep her to stay because this game was won by her Sam Kerr might have you know scored the goal and then done the backflip and the whole routine but Vanilla Harder was the reason why we were able to create that goal and I don't really want to gloss over that fact no yeah that's an excellent point exactly what I was going at so that's why we tweeted what we tweeted on the on the timeline <laughs> uh, from the podcast account because we could all see it like when, when Penilla Harder comes in the game is going to change um, which is kind of interesting. She, she tends to do this to United. She really likes playing against Manchester United. I don't know what it is, but it's very fun, and I enjoy it immensely. But, yeah, she she came on, completely changed the match. There were some questions for me about why she didn't start. I thought, you know, that was the conversation that, that Mia and I had on the podcast in our preview of this, where we were talking about, you know, we are pretty much – expecting Pernilla Harder to start and not uh, Lauren James. We thought the configuration might be a little bit different, but it wasn't. So before we get into the full lineup, just that decision off the top, what did you make of it? I think I was surprised, but I also understand it because, you know, we talked about before that Lauren James needs more time in her game to be grounded. Pernilla Harder doesn't. She's the perfect player for, um, you know, explosive substitution. But also at the same time, I think... Hayes knows that she's capable of that and is therefore a little wary about managing her minutes I mean if your best player or arguably your best player has been away all season with an injury you're going to be a little bit mindful of how to stagger those moments and although I felt like Lauren James it took her like the better part of, of a full half to kind of get into things she did start to become more confident as the game went on. It's just unfortunate that she needs that amount of time. And I think she looked a little tired as well. We have to remember that a couple of these players in, you know, you could say Sam Kerr, maybe James, uh, Cuthbert, possibly Ericsson, have actually played every single game of the last couple of months because of all the injury absences. And Emma Hayes hasn't had an, a lot of players to rotate with. So you kind of then are put in a situation where you're like, one of these players needs a lot of time to to settle and have that comfort. And the other player actually is is still recovering and is far more explosive. So you would know at some point that United would need, they know they need to score a goal. They know they need to stop Chelsea providing Sam Kerr. So I think it was all about timing. And maybe if you look back to that Barcelona game where Kerr brought, uh, sorry, Hayes brought on um harder and uh, James late in the game you would say that maybe she got timing wrong in that game but then 
compare it to other games and even today it's like you kind of have to call her out when she does the good stuff as well she got the timing perfect today with the substitutions um and it worked out perfectly and as much as we criticize her for things when things go wrong kind of had to say that this is a game where it all worked out pretty much as as well as it could have yeah i think that's absolutely right and it it is such an interesting thing with lauren james i mean i i know that like what a month ago maybe even even longer she surpassed the number of total minutes that she's played in a season i mean she has played a lot of games this season in particular because of so many attacking uh, players going down injured. You know, Fran Kirby and Pernilla Harder being out for months at a time. Harder just came back. Fran Kirby's not coming back. So, like, yeah, it's it's been a lot. And so it is interesting because, you know, you Lauren James versus her former team, she seems to get up mentally for it, but we haven't quite seen, well, we've seen some pretty good performances from her, so some good moments from her against United, but you know, the, the player that really terrorizes United is harder. So I thought it was very interesting to make this move. But you are right. Like, if you if you need one of them to come on as a sub, we've seen Lauren James come on and not and need a lot more time than subs usually get to really grow into the game. And I am wondering if that's just something that Emma Hayes was like, all right, pull. plus we've relied on harder a lot recently in, in, the, in, in uh, league games. So maybe it was just making sure that she was going to be able to come on Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the last thing that Man United want to do is almost like you're saving, you're saving a little, a little extra, something a little extra for when the game gets to a certain point. And I think in the 57th minute, like you said, that's when Pernilla Harder came on. I think it was just holding on, making sure you go into halftime nil nil, or if you happen to get a goal, good, you protect it. But I think 57th minute was perfect. You didn't, she didn't wait mm-hmm. until, you know, 65, 70, whatever, and say, hey, go, go save the game in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It was like, yeah, you're going to get over a half hour to go and change the game. And uh, she didn't need that. <laughs> she didn't even <laughs> need that. Because 11 minutes later, she was assisting to Sam Kerr for the only goal of the game. So let, let's take a look at the entire lineup. So we had Ann Ketchenberger in goal, of course. And then a back four of Neve Charles, uh, Magda Erickson. And uh, Maram Yelda, which we're going to talk about her in a bit. Uh, Eve Parise as well. Then it, it it's listed as a 4-2-3-1. And actually, I think sometimes Chelsea can play like a 4-3-3. And it kind of gets listed as a 4-2-3-1. But this looked like a set 4-2-3-1. Uh, Lupos and Cuthbert were the were the holders. Um, more deeper in midfield. Uh, Lauren James, Jesse Fleming, another interesting call. Uh, and Guro were the three. And then, of course, behind Sam Kerr. Uh, your thoughts and also your thoughts on how they played. I think I was interested um, of Jess Carter not being in the back four, but then I kind of sort of understand wanting to have Neem Charles and we say it time again, she's perfect progressing the ball and it's really important when you're playing against a team that has wingbacks. Um, Alatoon, although maybe she hadn't, didn't have the perfect game, she was instrumental in kind of carving out those spaces. So I think that the reason why Charles was there over Carter was because of that progressing the ball and also pace and, and finding those gaps on the inside and outside. Often Chelsea were playing um, with the ball over the top or at, when Harder came on, there was gaps to kind of get the ball on the ground, which is how that goal came about. So I think that was kind of the premise of that idea. So I was okay with it. And as, as we know, Carter did come on later. So that that was all good. Um, midfield, yeah, I, I quite like the combination of, of Cuthbert and Lopez because I think that Cuthbert is such a forward thinking player. You need her to have the license to be able to kind of chase down players and, and get those balls um, and get possession back. And I think once you have 
someone like Lloyd Potts in, it takes the pressure off her. She knows that she doesn't have to do all that chasing around. She can kind of sit and gather her thoughts and be able to pick out those passes. Um, and I think that although we were a little bit slow to approaching the game in midfield, we did kind of get more confidence as the game went on. Um, we talked about Lauren James. I think she needed quite a lot of time to get into the game. But Guru Wrighton was really good in terms of finding that that possession and being able to put it over the top to Kerr. Um, and I think, as you, as you say, during the half, it was almost like a waiting game. You could see that the, the way in which the goal would eventually come, we were actually creating those scenarios, but it just wasn't perfect enough. We needed harder to come on to kind of finesse that that routine. So you could see that those players were kind of shaping towards that. Um, I think maybe there's something to say in, in how long it took us to do that, whether we were, well, we were really slow to start. There was almost a goal. But I think that Emma Hayes knew that eventually something would happen and these were the players that we need on, on board. And if things didn't work out, if we hadn't created that goal, then let's bring on harder and automatically you can be rewarded by that substitution. So I think it was it was all right. I understood the decisions she made. I wasn't like overly upset about anything because I felt it was the right decision. And I'm also glad about the substitutions she made, not just harder, um, but also, as I said, bringing Jess Carter late on in the game, bringing in Khadija Buchanan, who needs more minutes as she gets gathers fitness and having that back five, which was really important because United had a late surge. Overall, I think this is like one of those games where I can't, really be upset at any of the choices that Emma Hayes made today and as I said before we've got to kind of say it when she does it right she does it right and and we've got to point that out yeah I said in my preview that the one thing I did absolutely did not want to see against United was a repeat of our previous performance against them where we basically just sat deep sat deep sat deep and tried to hit Mm -hmm. Sam Kerr with a long ball I think there's obviously a little bit more to it there's more of a connection between and it was Lauren James who hit that long ball and so, you know, when I saw the lineup drop, I saw Neve Charles and I kept looking for Carter because I thought we were going to do that 4-4-2 or really like solidify the wing, make sure we're good there because Nikita Paris and Ona Batier, like she, she, like that was a tough assignment for, for Neve, like alone there, kind of dealing with those two coming and combining uh, or just going 1v1. And then on the other side, Leah Galton was having a lot of fun as well um, on that side. The, the good news was, though, that Chelsea's central defense And also, of course, credit to some of the midfielders, too, who came in and played a part in just clogging up the middle and not allowing for those cutbacks. And I think this is where we need to talk about Mare Mielda, because Mm -hmm. honestly, from the injury, what was it, the 2021 uh, Conti Cup final where she injured her knee and then she didn't play much, started coming back. She had a brilliant moment against Lyon where she takes that penalty and then she takes the penalty in, in the actual shootout. She takes the last second penalty to tie it and then it goes to penalties and she takes the first one and scores it there too. And it's just like that, that the, we, we said it on the pod. I don't even remember what we said, but just ice, water, glacial water in her veins. It was incredible. And I just love that she had this moment too, able to start. Who could have seen this? Maramelda starting an FA Cup final. Of course, injuries are the reason why. And I hate the fact that that's true. But I love I love that she got the opportunity and I love how well she played, how well she's been playing next to Magda, which has been really, really fun to see. Like I said, it's, it's like it's like throwback. It's like retro Chelsea, seeing, <laughs> seeing those two in the back line. Uh, so, yeah, it was really good to see. And she cut out a, lot, a couple of those, quite a few of those, cutbacks that United like to try to link up with. So 
I thought her performance was excellent, and I'm just so happy that she got to start, play full 90 in a final after when she got injured and, and a couple years ago, lift the trophy. Like, I'm I'm so happy for her. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. We've got to like talk about how many players in the last couple of months have been put in a difficult position. And by that, I mean, in a sense, where you really have to play each and every game because the alternative is is basically not an option. And I think in the times where she's really been forced and she's had to step up, and we have to mention so much those two legs over Barcelona, she was, she was epic. She was monumental. She was exactly everything that we needed her to be. Um, and, and that that is the thing with Mara Mielda, she, despite the fact that she's struggled so much over the last couple of years when she's slotting in, whether that's next to Magda Eriksson or Millie Bright, she's so capable of, of being a strong player that you can rely on, that is able to progress the ball, um, that is able to help out her teammates. And and she does it time and again. And as you say, it's it's right. It's, it's, it's been the situation because of injuries. But often, if you look at the last couple of seasons, sometimes that's been the case. I mean, we had a couple of, maybe it was the last season, a couple of sort of spells where we've had players injured and Beth England stepped up and you can you can think of other players. Often those are opportunities and it sounds weird to say that maybe, you know, one of your teammates is, is unwell or injured and you think, oh, that's a perfect opportunity for me, but it, it really is because that's a chance to prove. And maybe Emma Hayes hasn't been so great with fringe players recently, but she's becoming more and more comfortable with that and that really gives me hope for players like Mielda who are proving and continue to prove that they deserve game time. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um and and it was great to see. Also, you know, Jesse Fleming again getting into the lineup. It's all, it's very fun that that we've talked about this before too. It's just like Jesse Fleming gets on and it's in these big moments it's just like if you have a a certain a particular set of tasks that you need completed, <laughs> then you turn to Jesse Fleming. And uh and I thought she had a pretty decent game. She wasn't as effective as I thought she was in the Barcelona match um where she was exceptional, but um yeah, Jesse Fleming had a pretty good game. I think it was really important as well to not have, you know, such a forward-minded, like, focused player in that kind of 10 role. I think Jesse Fleming really needed to try to, like, with numbers and with, you know, steel, get into the midfield and make sure that United couldn't do what they usually do to teams. And I thought that was important. Uh, so I thought she had a good match as well. So there are two things from a United perspective I want to I want to kind of talk about with you. One is, of course, their missed chances. There were a couple times that I remember the commentator, I don't know who, which commentator uh, you had, but he was just like, why won't they shoot? Because there were a couple <laughs> times they got into some pretty like dangerous positions and seemed to not really know what to do. Uh, and then, of course, the other one was just like the second half when they just basically were like, okay, we're going to foul the hell out of Chelsea now and try to frustrate them. And it was like, do you understand who's on this team? You're not going to frustrate Aaron Cuthbert. Like, if you want to try to battle her, go for it, but you're going to lose. Like, same thing with Marin Milda. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Like, you can try if you want to, Sam Kerr. But these are players, Pernilla Harder, these are players where if you piss them off, they just play better and come at you even more. So I was just like, that's a weird tactic. But I, maybe they had nothing left. It does seem strange because I think they took off Nikki to Paris and brought on Rachel Williams, who... Rachel Williams, who scored um, actually in the semi-final, she scored like in the, the 90th minute or something to, to send them through. And she's obviously a completely different style to Paris. She's able to make those those sort of runs in behind, but also physically bigger, um, kind of like the focus player. So it seemed like they were shifting away from that possession style that actually had worked so well from them for them 
the reason why they scored that offside goal, the reason why they were making us look like such a ropey back four, they went away from that style because I think they expected us to to be sort of to kind of come out because we know we need to score, but also be defensively short. And I think they got it really wrong. And as you say, then the next step up from that is just foul, foul everyone. But you come up against players like Erin Cuthbert or even Leupold, and these are players who are firm and they stand their ground. There was that one moment where I think it was like Erin Cuthbert got in a tangle with someone on the floor and like she very clearly like, I wouldn't say she kicked out, but she sort of all tangled up and then she was like shouting to the referee and it's just like even if these players don't come at you physically they're gonna find ways to just annoy you and and get in under your skin and that's the risk you take when you come up against Chelsea so it, it felt like a gamble and a risk that they took and they didn't need to because actually they really did have us in the first half I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute um and they made that switch at half time and then from there on it was it was on to us and actually that switch that they made and being less possessive and, and trying to expose us opened up areas in which led to the goal. It allowed Guru Wrighton to follow up into space that led to Penelope Harder, that led, led to Sam Kerr. So they made a mistake there and I think you could tell from the substitution they made after that they were always just basically chasing and and it's strange. It definitely is strange, but I think that's kind of the reason why we have to keep praising Emma Hayes because today she got it perfect. Yeah, I definitely think in the in the in the coaching battle, the tactical battle, she did get it right. I think, but but I also think we have the players that allows us to play multiple in in many different ways. So you know, I, I don't think that the tactic initially was just to try to defend, but when we saw how intensely United started, how how quickly they were moving the ball. You know, they were really, really extremely up for this game. They were trying to get a goal early. You know, their intensity level was really, really high. And it's like, well, then you, you've you got to match that. You've got to match it. You've got to defend it. Uh, and I think Chelsea did well there. You know, you mentioned the goal in the first 20 seconds um, that happened to be offside. I think that was a perfect wake-up call. Like, okay, <laughs> like this team is really out here trying to get at you and you need to make sure that you don't get yourself in an early hole. And the offside flag, I mean, and it was definitely offside. We saw on the replay, so there wasn't any, like, you know, questionable call or anything like that. It was definitely offside. But I think it got, I think it it, it got Chelsea in the mindset of saying, okay, like, this is going to be a scrap, and we need to make sure we are there in the first half to take care of this. We're going to have our moment. That's the other thing. Chelsea know that when it's, unless we're playing Barcelona, <laughs> that... <laughs> We can we can bunker down against a team for a period because they're not going to be able to do that to us the entirety of the game. We're going to have our moments. And with the quality that we have, when we have those moments, especially if they don't take their chances when they do get them, get their little sniffs at goal that teams sometimes get, then you just know that we have the talent that's going to be able to unlock it and put the ball in the back of the net. And I think that it's a credit to Emma Hayes, but it's also just a credit to the players that say that, not only do they have the capability of playing that way, but they have an understanding where they know if you, we have to cope with this for now, this is just a period within the game. Soon, we're going to have our moment. We're going to have our say. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You you were right in saying this season, only Barcelona have been able to stop us. Is a certain fearlessness to it, I think. And it's really a shame that we weren't able to do that against them. But I think that once... Once we got to a point where I felt like we were missing a lot of creative players and that became our only way out, you've got to kind of be really bold about that being your only way out. And it has been that way for Chelsea. But 
as you say, we keep making it work because not just from a coaching level, but players are able to do that. Players who have been playing each and every game in the last few months, players who are versatile enough. We talked to about a couple of them. Our squad is now deep enough to be able to find those different ways to experiment and play within games. And I think that's something we've been really lacking in the last couple of years. And I mean, I know we've won this competition three times in a row, but we can extend that to the league and, and European games. So This was just such a fun performance, such a fun spectacle. Of course, you know, from we can say that, you know, with hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were definitely a few moments where it was like, okay, what are we doing? But it, you know what? I actually I do want to talk to you about this. Sam Kerr scored in the 68th minute. That's kind of early in a half to score and to like completely shut things down. So it's not like Chelsea could then like go back five or anything. And we and that wasn't the tactic. But it almost felt like the from the commentary from the crowd to probably even some of the United players, the way they were reacting, you know, that's after that is when they started getting really physical is that it was over. Like that was it. That was going to be the final score. And I thought that was interesting to me because there's still plenty of time. Mm -hmm. United Mm -hmm. still has plenty of good players on the team. And I know they probably had their best chance in stoppage time. There was a terrific spinning, like, Oh my you God. know, Clarence yeah, from Katusha Buchanan that I thought was just excellent. So I was super glad that she was there. She got an opportunity to like play a big part uh, coming back from from injury. But like, yeah, did, did you kind of sense that as well? That when Chelsea scored that like the entire thing deflated and everybody except for maybe like two or three United players were just like, yep, that's going to be the final score. That's it. Yeah, and I I picked up on it. And also I was watching on the BBC iPlayer and they were talking about it on comms. And I think even just without being in the stadium you could feel a sense of deflatedness and it's strange to think that but I think you kind of go back to the semi-final in which we played Aston Villa and we scored early there and, and also Sam Kerr obviously um, I think it was the 53rd minute and and it was kind of similar in that game as well I think that's the thing when you have a player like her you were seeing in real time exactly how fearful other teams are because they know what Chelsea are capable of, and they know that it, I think the other thing is, it's not just that, but it's also if Sam Kerr scores, she's not the only one that can be dangerous because then Penilla Harder comes on and, and it's a losing battle, you know, straight away. You know that you need to score, but you know that if you try to do that, Chelsea will attack at the other end and they're bringing on players who would fit in any any other starting eleven that they have on the bench. And I think we can actually sympathise with that because it's kind of what happened to us, and I keep talking about it, the second leg against Barcelona, where it's like, you need a goal, but you don't want to push out. And so that's how United were playing today. They knew that it was an impossible situation. And I think you could sense that in the team. It was really difficult to know how to respond. I mean, you then take off Nikita Paris, one of your best players, who was causing quite a lot of problems, as you were mentioning. And you completely changed tactics. And I think that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to figure out a way to, to bypass that without having to open themselves up. And it's really difficult to do that. Again, we know that firsthand. So I, I do sympathize and I do feel for them, but I also feel really kind of excited that we can have that effect on other teams. Um, and, you know, their bench isn't as deep as ours. We've got probably the more experienced and not just experienced, but also dynamic and diverse uh, bench. So I think they knew that the players that were on the pitch needed to have a strong game. And I think we really did really well to shut down Alessia Russo. I mean, I don't think she had any time at all. I think she had a couple of, 
maybe a couple of headers from corners and, and free kicks, but we were able to shut her out completely. And, and by that, that means shutting out the possession from the mid attacking midfield through to her. I think we were really strong in a lot of areas and they knew that they had a small window to work within that window. And as soon as Kerr scores, you can see that Emma Hayes has a different idea of how to approach the game when Kerr scores. We're 1-0 up now. What can we do? What are the substitutions? Two ways she normally goes about it. And one of the ways, the most common ways, is to basically tell your opponents that they're about to get doubly dealt with some, you know, amazingness in which was harder coming on. And that's one way. But the other way, as you would have said and thought, would be to shut down. But we don't shut down. Our, our choice is always the other option. We will go out and attempt to score more goals. And I think that puts a lot of fear in opposing teams. And you could, as you say, and as people were saying on comms, you could see it. And I think that's kind of cool. I mean, it's it's your. I guess you can say that when it's when it's you doing it, but um, I think that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought it was actually kind of funny that you know after the goal, it was like United just and, and maybe it's weird in the moment. I didn't I didn't read it as pure frustration. Um, that they just got really physical, but it's almost like that's what that's probably what Chelsea wanted, you know, stop the game with a lot of fouls, you know, make it make it make it a bit of a mess. And I think they just lost their composure a little bit. So I kind of read it as maybe frustration and them losing their composure a little bit because they didn't kind of play the way they want. And, and you know, from a Chelsea perspective, thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can't remember how many times I almost tweeted this like, OK, yeah. You're you're really gonna try and and physically intimidate the this Chelsea team, these Chelsea players. Like, okay, sure, let's waste time doing that. Before you know it, it's like 88th minute. It is we're in the 88th minute, and they've basically created uh, just about nothing. So I was like, that was a great reaction. I appreciated it. Um, wanted to read these quotes that just popped up on the timeline from from Amy Ruskai, uh, who's in the pre-match presser and talking to Emma Hayes. Uh, she. Uh, says, I, I don't know what the question was, but here's Emma Hayes' response. Quote, when they scored, after the 20 seconds, talking about that early chance that was ruled offside, she thought, she said, I thought, it's going to be a long game. No one plays more games than Chelsea. It really is difficult. It is really difficult to play every three days and to play high-octane football. I thought first half, we were off. Second to everything. Is it a tactical problem? No, ex- execution, and that's physical. I said at halftime, only we know what this is like to grind and grind and compete on all fronts. Man United had the first half, but we had the second half. That pretty much sums up what we've been talking about. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the good point, though, that she said it's not tactical, it's physical. Only we know how that feels. And it's interesting that I've, and you know, we spent all kind of podcasts talking about it. But again, these are players who have, have really had to work hard the last couple of months. I think there was a stat that I included in my preview where it's like we've played 14 times since the 5th of March. United have only played nine times and they've not had any international breaks either. Uh, all players, key players, going off to on international ventures. So again, just a reminder that of how limited our options have been, and that's why the players who have risen up and are involved and included should be praised as much as the manager. Because, as I said before, they've often not had a choice. So it feels really, really inspiring to see that we have players like that, that we are able to turn around games. That's often been a problem for us in the past, but today it wasn't, and today it felt like it all came together yeah and I'm super like it, this gives me a lot of like hope for the rest of the season um I think that it, you know I predicted I always thought that Chelsea were going to win this game just because I thought Manchester United were much better they've had a great season but I don't think they're there yet 
They need to start beating, you know, some of these teams that you kind of think of as the perennial like top teams. And they've had some great performances against them, but they have, you know, they haven't yet got us yet. And I think that it's important to kind of put it all in perspective. Like this is why I thought it was a little weird. And I, and I guess from a, you know, bravado from a, you know, you know, keep your team spirits lifted high for the end of the season because they do have a big match coming up against Manchester City as we have a big match coming up against Arsenal. I think you need to make sure the players don't drop their heads too much and feel like Chelsea deserve the title more than they do. But I, I, I still thought it was a little interesting because for me, there's a lot of positives to take out of this performance. Like, yeah, United will be sad about this um, because, you know, it was in the end just a one goal you know, margin, even though, even though that one goal for Chelsea was always coming. <laughs> I don't know how many goals you could say for United were always coming. Uh, it probably would have been a, a bit of a shock to Chelsea and, and a, quite a few watching if Manchester United would have scored uh, and this in the scoreline was flipped and they ended up winning one nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they are getting closer. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you have a team like Chelsea that is used to this in this scenario, United really aren't. Um, you're going to see that show a bit and they try their hardest, but they weren't able to do it. So yeah, I, I'm really happy about this win. I'm really thankful that, that the game went the way it did. I thought Pernilla harder. I mean, if we could just go back to that moment again, the, the pass, was it, was it Guru that threaded the ball through yep. to harder and yep. then harder with that perfect, I mean, just a perfect cross. And I also want to talk about Sam Kerr because one of the things that people don't like that is. Obviously, we all know she finishes. She's in great positions and all of that. For me, it's just how she instinctually knows what touch to take to beat the keeper. She went with a foot that I don't think many strikers would have gone with. I think a lot of strikers would have waited for that to get to her to her far foot, which was her left foot, and try to hit that cross side foot. But Ertz was recovering well, and she needed to get a touch before that happened. And so she kind of used like the outside of her right boot to kind of flick it. And I thought that was excellent. Like if you watch the replay of that, it was just a really clever thing because she needed to get the ball in the back of the net as quickly as possible. And of course, as accurately as possible. And I think she found the perfect touch to do that. And that's just, add add that to everything else that makes Sam Kerr a completely outrageous forward, completely outrageous striker. Um, It's just her knowledge of what strike is needed in what particular moment to make it happen. And I thought her finish, that touch, it looked simple. It was not, was excellent. Yeah. And, and again, we have to keep mentioning she's been unwell this week. Uh, she's been sick all week and, and not, you know, she came off as a sub during that midweek game and then just to turn it around. And also there's this really cool interview going around where she talks about her pregame snack or her pregame meal. And it's like carbs on carbs. It's like a pasta sandwich or something like that. Um, so she knows she's been really unwell, bit in and <laughs> I out this week. Need to know what a pasta sandwich is. <laughs> you just—it's like it's pure chaos. You just—you make the pasta, <laughs> you put it between two slices of bread. It's—it has to be messy. There's just no other option. Um, and that's—that's that, that's a pre-game meal. And then just again to have the game that she did today—it's—it's it's really really crazy. She continues to astound in in every way possible. Yeah, it's the pasta sandwich thing was got me. And and to, first of all, I didn't anticipate uh, Sam Kerr. Just like her vibe seems to be more like, you know, like it's like she's not really a superstitious person. But then finding out she does have superstitions, which I think she said she wears the same pair of socks. Like you said, she eats the pasta sandwich. 
And like, so it's like, that was interesting, but also that's a lot of carbs to be running around as much as she does. So I'm like, how in I the think world you, is she you, like, she, like, you really need to, though, if you, if you want to, now, well, now we understand how she does all those, like, those air miles. She's just eating carbs, like endless carbs. <laughs> if you had, if you started your day with a pasta sandwich, there is no end to what you might be able to do. I would be 900 pounds if I started my day with a pasta sandwich. I just, like... I just Googled pasta sandwich and the images that are coming up. I'm like, I don't think I could, I don't, there's no way I would do anything physical the rest of the day. If I had a full one of these, a half, maybe if you gave me like five hours to recover. I know what I would be doing. I would instantly fall into a deep sleep. I would, it's happened to me before. Like the amount of gluten wheat, you would just simply go to bed. Um, But you know, she's, yeah, as you say, it was unexpected. It was strange, but it works for her. She's she's a crazy, wacky player, and she's our crazy, wacky player, so we've got to love it. She is, and we, we got a backflip. We got so much passion. I loved, I just couldn't stop making gifts of it because, like, everything she did after that goal was just incredible. I mean, the backflip, the run after she scored, you know, you could just see it in her face, you know, her grabbing the badge and everything. I'm just like, don't, just never leave. Just please never leave. That's all I got to say. Like, I just... The energy, the goal scoring, the like coming up in big moments, the the passion that you see from Sam Kerr, just like I love it all, just absolutely all of it. You can't go anywhere. I'm sorry, like <laughs> I don't care. I'm not. I'm not in. I have no administrative role in the process <laughs> or with Chelsea, but I don't care. It can happen. And while we're at it, we need to figure out a way to to keep Vanilla harder. I don't know what they have to do. Just, you know, sell parts of the stadium, sell shares, <laughs> black magic. We, we've referred to black magic often on this podcast and I, we mean it when we say it. I have given up on that because it looks 100%, even oh. though it's not 100% until they're holding up the jerseys. But I think that's only a matter of time. Uh, we talked shame. about it on the last podcast, but I will, I'll say, I will, it, it's going to hurt. She's, she's done like basically ever since that announcement basically came out, Pernilla's been doing like, and, and she got back on the pitch. She's been doing nothing but being like, like she's been excellent. Pure and it's like, you're going to miss this. And it's like, yes, you don't have to leave. <laughs> you could still change your mind. But if, if, if we hear that like contracts are signed, there are reports that that's the case. But just like for me, the only possible player, the only possible player that we could even consider replacing Pernilla Harder when she's fully fit and flying the way she has been over the past few weeks is Kat Macario. And I know there are rumors like that mm. out there. If that happens to be the case, I'll be fine. If that you isn't not, the case, we you have to go find fine. someone else. There's no way. You will not be fine if we sign her. You, We didn't even sign Grace Goyoro. And you just, even before anything had happened, even with whispers on the internet, you were yeah, insufferable. You really were. <laughs> I do not think you will be fine if that happens. Which oh no! Really I will a... lose my mind, but the team needs it. Yeah, we're, this is this is about you. We're worried about you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you are right. Losing a player of that magnitude, you have to have some kind of backup, and it's it's, all, it's always a thing we were thinking of when we talk about Grace. Um, when Neuboltz was out for so long, but if Emma, you know, has other plans in mind of how to replace that, I just, I you know, I have to sit and think on it. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm just very much hoping, very, very, very much hoping that all these rumors are true and that we end up because it I mean, it's just and, and yes, we're gonna get out of here because I, I didn't actually want to talk about this at the end of the podcast because I feel like it's a bit of a down note. But but I also think like the things that make Pranilla great is her football intelligence, 
her skill, her ability of goal scoring, her technique, whether it's assisting, whether it's scoring herself, ability to read and be around the ball to generate chances. She's like top tier. And we haven't always seen it for Chelsea. And it's like it's absolute best form. Like she like we saw at Wolfsburg that made her at the time the the world record transfer. Macario has those things. And I also think that Macario if she's fully fit, you know, she is recovering from an ACL injury, but if she's fully fit or when she's fully fit, to me, the best version of her has a bit more versatility in it than the best version of Pernilla. Pernilla, we've we've never really seen the best out of her from Chelsea because I think she's never really been able to play her best roles for Chelsea. Um, she's kind of had to play a little bit differently than probably how she would want. And I don't think Kat would have those problems. She can do multiple things and she's comfortable in them. So... I'm pretty excited about it if it happens, but that's the only way I will ever get over this loss <laughs> that apparently is coming. See what we did? We ended up going on a down note. I didn't want to do this. Help I, I me, mean, Miriam. We, to, let's find a way to end this to be, on a high note. To be honest, I'm still thinking that I'm actually currently looking at pictures of pasta sandwiches because I, <laughs> I think I want to make that. I think I want to construct that. I think I will pick a day where I'm not at the office and I'm in my own home and just suss out and, and I'll, I'll feedback i'll feedback on the situation um but yeah it's just I, I you know it sounds like an obvious thing right you just you make the pasta separately put it in between the breads but i feel like there'll be some italian people who know this and they just got it cinched out so if anyone's listening and and has a more you know a better grasp of how to create this then please let us know because i'm intrigued <laughs> I am intrigued as well. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to, we do have to end this and be, be and I'm going to end it on a high note because I, I don't want to get away from the fact, you know, that it's, we're in a weird space because it's hard to ignore all the things that are like going to happen that are kind of floating around the team. You know, we still have a title race, by the way, that we're still in. And if we win all of our games, the math stipulates that we will win another title, um, which would be our fourth consecutive, which is ridiculous. But we're very close to doing that. And in just, what, two, three days, we play West Ham away. We're going to see how that game goes. That's Wednesday game. It's going to be an 8-15 local time kickoff. That's a little bit of a weird time, but that's what's going to be. And then on Sunday, just four days later, that's going to be Chelsea Arsenal. Arsenal coming to Kings Meadow, and that game is going to be a 12-30 kickoff. That's going to be a very interesting one. Uh, and, and, of course, the final game is against Reading, but... Really, it's one more week. You got to celebrate, then you got to get back to it on Wednesday with West Ham. I'm actually very glad we have West Ham before Arsenal. I think if we had Arsenal midweek, I would be a little bit more nervous. But I think, you know, the, the, there's still going to be exhaustion, still going to be fatigue. But I think, you know, especially with United having to play City, that's going to be interesting. So, um, and I think they do that at the weekend. So Chelsea still have a lot to play for, the entire league to play for, but one trophy is already secured. Chelsea 1-0 over Manchester United. What else is new? We beat Manchester United. I feel like ho-hum. We just got a trophy at the end of this one, right? That's how we feel. This would be the perfect time to bring in the outro music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to let you end it, but uh, you know what? Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs>